you can go out and you can crush a training run as fast as you possibly can. And maybe you'll have it on Strava or your Garmin, but it, it's not necessarily helping your your training for uh, for your ultimate goal. Dizruns Radio episode 572 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick, before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to uh, thank everybody who, who goes out of their way to uh, support the show in any number of a variety of ways. There's no shortage of options out there. And one of the ones that, uh, quite honestly, is uh, means the most to me, although they're, they're all appreciated, uh, the one that means the most to me is when, when you're willing to buy me a cup of coffee via Patreon. Uh, if you're not aware, Patreon is a, is a platform that uh, allows you to you know pledge a certain amount of, of money per episode or per month. If, in my case, I just do it per month, make it make it real simple. Um, and and every month, you know, it's it's a, a way to financially support the show to help keep the lights on, help keep the uh, the internet running, and help keep uh, hopefully continue to improve the quality of the show as well. And uh, there's a number of folks that uh, have have pledged and, and continue to do so. Some for for well over a year at this point. Uh, to, to buy me a cup of coffee every month. So a couple bucks, three bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, whatever, whatever a good cup of coffee is worth to you. Uh, if you're willing to do that to me, it really, really helps out. Uh, there's, there's certainly some big plans coming. And, uh, one of the big goals that I have is to get to the point where I don't have to look for and, and try to uh, attract sponsors to the show. Uh, I'd love to get to the point where this show is 100% listener supported. Uh, we're not there yet. We're, we're honestly not even that close yet. But uh, who knows? I mean, who knows what three, four, five years down the road might look like? And if you want to help me get there uh, by, again, just buying, buying me a cup of coffee uh, each and every month, uh, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dizruns. And uh, you can check it out. There's a few bonuses there. That, that page is actually going to be updated soon. Um, and maybe have some new bonuses and some new opportunities and some new things that I'm, I'm kicking about to try to make it even more of a, of a bonus to you to, to, to support me. So uh, if that's something you're interested in and, and want to uh, contribute to, and of course, you're never locked in. You can cancel at any time. It's, it's no big deal. Um, but uh, if you're interested, patreon.com slash Dizrun. There's also a link in the show notes and a link in your uh, your phone or whatever your device is. If you're listening, wherever you're listening to this, you can clap tap the, uh, the artwork. It'll show a bunch of links and, and brief show notes, things like that. And uh, there's a link right there as well to support the show. So uh, if you're willing to, appreciate it. If you, if you can't right now, totally understand. Um, but anything anything is is appreciated, certainly. You know, like I said, just a, it's just a cheap cup of coffee or a good cup of coffee if you're so inclined. But anyway, enough of me groveling and asking for your money for today, right? Um, let's go ahead and, and, and dive in then to today's episode of the show. Hey, guys. My uh, guest today is a woman that is not only a great runner, but she's also a uh, world-class multi-sport athlete uh, in her own right. She's completed or competed as an elite athlete at the New York City Marathon and also at the SunTrust National Marathon. She's represented Team USA a couple of times at World Duathlon Championships. Uh, she's run Boston 
15 times or some some crazy number like that. And uh, she also has a, an iron, a full Ironman finish to her credit. So uh, obviously she's she's busy, but when she's not running, biking, swimming, or doing doing whatever else, uh, you know, training-wise and life and family and things like that, uh, she also enjoys working with other runners as uh, one, uh, one of the uh, co-owners of Run Farther and Faster. And you may remember uh, Run Farther and Faster because we just talked to uh, her business partner, Julie, a couple of uh, actually just about a week ago as, as the episodes come out about a week ago. So uh, you, you may sound, some things might sound familiar, but obviously we're going to get into to her story today. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to welcome Miss Lisa Reichman to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Lisa. Really appreciate it and uh, glad, glad to have you today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, certainly. The the, the pleasure is uh, certainly mine. And, and as, again, as a reminder, guys, uh, the same contact information as what we had with Julie, but uh, runfartherandfaster.com is the website if you want to find out about more about Lisa, what she's got going on, some of her, her accolades and accomplishments, or, or to find out more about their business, obviously. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, same handle, both places, at runfartherandfaster. And uh, on the Twitter, saving a few characters, cutting things down, just a, just a hair, at runfartherfast is the handle on Twitter. And uh, as always, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes today's show number is 572. So disruns.com slash 572 will take you to, uh, to, to, uh, to the show notes and you have, again, all of the, all of the links and, and contact information, all that good stuff to get in touch with Lisa if you so desire. So Lisa, the way we always start off the show is with uh, what is a very, very simple question um, to ask. Sometimes it's a simple question to answer. Sometimes the answer is uh, pretty complicated, but uh, it, it's just a fun place to start and, and see where it takes us. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? That's actually a pretty easy question for me. Mine is the marathon. And I just think I am an endurance monster. I can run farther and farther. Uh, and I just, I really enjoy the mental challenge, I think, of the of the marathon and marathon training, especially running for me has always been more about the mental aspect, the stress release, uh, the time by myself. So marathon training obviously has a lot of that. And then the marathon itself, I feel like takes a lot of mental, mental strength and mental endurance. So I, I really like that challenge. I may not love the actual completion, the, the actual process itself. But when I'm done with a marathon, that sense of accomplishment is really, I usually come home from a marathon feeling like I can do anything. So I would, that's a pretty easy answer for me, that marathon distance. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's uh, I, I try not to get too, uh, you know, uh, beforehand, trying not to get too much of an assumption of where somebody's going to go. But I'll be honest, I did kind of think that, that might be <laughs> might be the option for you. Because I mean, I think if I remember right from the website, over 30 marathons, something like that. I mean, if you, you don't, if you don't, if you don't enjoy 26.2, you don't get up to, to 30 of those races before uh, you decide that maybe it's not the right distance for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the funny thing is, I remember very distinctly, probably in 1999, many years in 1998, 1999, I lived in Arlington, Virginia, and I watched uh, the finish of the Marine Corps Marathon. And I, it was a rainy, drizzly day, sort of like Boston this year, <laughs> uh, actually not as bad. And I watched all these marathoners trudging through the finish and walking back to their cars or to the metro wrapped in silver blankets and looking miserable. And I said, I will never run a marathon. <laughs> that looks terrible. And uh, I think it was that next year I ran the army 10 miler in very similar conditions, cold, wet rain. And uh, I finished it and I finished with a PR and I finished feeling great. And despite the fact that I had to wait around for my, my husband had 
and told him to come pick me up at a certain time, estimating that I was going to take a lot longer to finish than I did. So he didn't come back to pick me up uh, until the time I told him to come, which, like I said, was much later. And so I ended up standing around in the freezing cold rain waiting for him to come pick me up. Uh, and even despite that, I, I finished that and I said, well, gee, that wasn't so bad. Remember that marathon that I watched? I, maybe I could do a marathon. So that was the rest is history. Gotcha. Gotcha. Were you much of a, of a runner before watching that, that marathon or, or did, did that kind of have some motivation to get you into the sport? It definitely was, was motivation for me. I, uh, was not a runner at all growing up. I actually wasn't an athlete. I wasn't, I was uncoordinated. I was the last picked for any sports team. And I athlete was the last word I would use to describe myself when I was growing up. And I didn't start running until I was actually in law school. And I had some friends who ran and they would say, let's go out and run for some stress release or let's just get away from everything and go run. And I really enjoyed that. And I uh, just started doing some small 5Ks at home. 10Ks eventually worked up to that 10 miler distance. And, and yes, until then, I didn't really think of myself much as a run, definitely not as an athlete and not so much as a runner. Uh, but after that, once I started training for marathons and really running marathons, is that, that took off from there. When you say that it took off from there, was it something that it was pretty clear from the beginning that you uh, were, were pretty good at? Or did it require a lot of, of work to get to the point where, you know, like you said earlier, that you kind of a, an endurance machine? Uh, did, was, it, was it fairly natural or was it a, a big, bit of a process? It was actually fairly natural. The, the first 5K I did when I was, uh, I think it was still in law school, and my younger sister was a student teacher at a local elementary school, and she was trying to get people to come run their 5K they were going to do as a fundraiser. And she said, look, you run. You've been running with your friends. Come come run this little 5K with us. And I said, all right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And it was a small 5K, and most of the people running were parents with their kids, so it was pretty laid back. But I placed second woman overall, and I got a prize. And to <laughs> me, that was, you know, like I said, I was not an athlete growing up. I had never done anything athletic. I always thought of myself as completely unathletic, and it was a big thrill to, to win a prize. So, uh, you know, it was pretty evident early on that I, I that was my strength that I just never had tapped into. And when I decided to train for that marathon after that army 10 miler, I, I joined a group mm. and, uh, the coaches asked me, what, what, what's your expected marathon finish time? What's your, what's your goal for this program? And I said, I just, I want to finish under five hours. And they laughed at me because they looked at my times from my five K's, 10 K's, 10 miler. And they extrapolated those and they thought, yeah, you're probably going <laughs> to run a little bit faster. And, and sure enough, in the first marathon I ran with just training with a group and doing some very, actually didn't even follow the entire schedule. I was, uh, I looked at their schedule and I was a little daunted and I said, well, I'll do the long runs with them and I'll just do the rest by myself on, on you know, during the week and I scaled back what they had on the schedule but that first marathon I qualified for Boston and I didn't even know at the time what that meant they said you're going to qualify for Boston and I said what does that even mean I, I didn't even know at the time what that meant so it was this is my I say of some genetic capability that towards the running that's made it uh you know, I've always done well at it I still work hard to, mm -hmm. to succeed and to keep uh, progressing. But it's definitely something I feel that came very naturally that I just didn't discover until until I would say later in life, but it wasn't really, you know, I was in my right. 20s. Now that doesn't feel later in life at all. Right, right. But not not one of those, you know, that, that was the, the fastest kid on the on the track team in middle school and up through high school, cross country and college and all that kind of stuff. So I, I totally get what you're saying as far as the, the quote unquote, uh, later in life type of, of finding the sport and, and obviously finding something that, that you would 
enjoyed and uh, had had some some talent and and like you said also worked hard because nobody nobody who runs and, and really pushes themselves to whatever their level is isn't pushing hard so so obviously that the hard work component is uh, just as important as whatever um, genetic gifts that, uh, that that you may also have right absolutely so like you said that the first marathon qualified for Boston which uh, is is a even if you didn't realize it then, obviously a pretty pretty exciting deal. Lots of, of runners run dozens of marathons attempting to to potentially qualify and, and, and get the chance to uh, head up to, to Hopkinton and, and run the race. And, and you've done it multiple times. When, when you qualified that, that first time for Boston, was that the, the, the first trip up there? Or, or did, did you uh, not, like you said, you didn't really know much about it. Was it not a big deal and you kind of let it go? Or, or when was the first Boston? Yeah, I, I did. I said, all right, well, I qualified for this Boston, whatever you know, this big deal is, and I guess I'll go. And it's so interesting to look back now. That was 2001. And in 2001, you could register up until the, you know, like a week before the race, you could still register. Uh, it was very easy to get a hotel and flights to, to Boston. And it was still, though, uh, I'll always remember arriving in Boston and you arrive at the airport and there are signs in the airport that say, welcome runners, welcome to, to Marathon Weekend. And the whole city is aware that the marathon's going on. It just transforms. And I uh, finished that time and that marathon that first time, the first Boston Marathon. And I said, I will come back here any year I can qualify that I'm that I'm that I'm fortunate enough to qualify to come back here. I will be back here. This is the one I will come back and do every year. And and I have been back every year except for the two years that I had my kids. My one year um, when my twins were born, they were born March 29th, so that was about three weeks before Boston. Right. So clearly not going to run that one. And then in 2007, I found out I was pregnant with our third uh, child, who's 19 months younger than my twins. I found out I was pregnant with her in February, which was a couple months before Boston. And I hadn't—that was the year I hadn't really trained super intensely or super well for Boston. And I thought, well, it was going to be a push to run it untrained, mm -hmm. not pregnant. And then when I found out I was pregnant, I thought, you know, probably not the best idea to push and try to go run on, on less than optimal training. So I reluctantly pulled out of that year and that was the year of the nor'easter mm -hmm. so that was actually prior to this year probably the worst weather year and i found i felt very fortunate actually when i saw what the weather is going to be that i actually pulled out that year so uh so those were the two years that i missed and every other year i have gone back to run uh it is like unlike any other experience for me yeah it's it's certainly on uh, as everybody who listens to the show regularly knows it's 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 as high as it gets on my on my running list and, and I've said before that I feel like for me my plan as as of now you know and, and uh plans always subject to change of course but my plan is to, that, that you know the qualifying is is the big deal and then Boston is is the cherry on top where I'm, I'm not going to plan to race it going to plan to just go in and enjoy myself and, and take Experience my time and, and re yeah really really live it up um do, do you you know you run it like you said multiple times pretty much every 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 chance you get um What's what's your take on on running the race? Do do you tend to try to push it, maybe requalify at Boston? Do you do you relax and go easy? Does it kind of depend on on the year? And some years you push, and some years you don't. How, what's your take, knowing that more than likely you're probably going to be back next year as well? That is a great question. I actually. Uh every year try to qualify at a different marathon before I go back to Boston. So I try to qualify at a fall marathon typically so that when I go to Boston, 
it is no pressure, don't need to requalify. I can just take in the route, take in the experience and really enjoy it. So that's that's typically my my plan. And I think pretty much every year I've gone, I've had a tried to have a qualifying time in my in my back pocket. So that's so that I can enjoy the experience. It is but like you said, Boston is just such a chance to you really want to experience the, the entire course and the whole experience. Gotcha, gotcha. How has has the race changed or, or has it? I mean, like you said, you know, in, in 15 races ago when you ran in, in 2001, 2002 time, um, you know, things were a little bit different. It wasn't, you know, as long as you had a Boston qualifying time, you could pretty much get in. You didn't have to have a, a two, three, four minute buffer to kind of rest easy like you do these days. Um, but, you know, the race itself, has it changed dramatically over the years or is it is it I mean, you know, subtle tweaks probably. But is it still pretty much the, the same experience as you remember it from the first time? Definitely the experience of running from Hopkinton to Boston is still the same. It's still the amazing crowd support, the spectators, the volunteers. Uh, it's still this historic, renowned course. Uh, you know, the, the hills are still there. They don't ever go away any year, unfortunately. They're still there, right, in that spot where it, it hurts the most. So that has stayed the same, but so much about the race has changed over the years um, for good and for bad. You know, it's just, it's different. Uh, the, like I said, the first years I'd go, um, there were, I, I don't even remember there being waves. I think it was one big start. Uh, it was started at noon. Mm-hmm. So you'd go to Hopkinton and sit for even a little bit longer and the weather could get a little bit warmer. So we started at noontime. Uh, it was uh, the What's been interesting to me to see is the corral placement or the the number bib placement now. Uh, I think my best qualifying time I ever had was a 301, and that got me into the second corral. It was yeah. literally right behind the elites and some of the fastest runners. That 301 now would probably put me back in maybe the fifth or sixth <laughs> corral. So right. that's interesting to see that my time, my qualifying time, stay pretty close to the same, but my bib number keeps dropping back farther and farther as faster and faster runners come into the come into the race. So uh, and it's obviously grown by mm-hmm. I, I would guess thousands of people it's such a bigger race now with more participants so uh the uh the the expo has changed a lot it used to it was always a big expo but uh it wasn't as commercial commercialized uh, I, I still remember when there was a corner of the expo where they'd sell vintage clothing so you could buy the you know a, a, a 1999 shirt that you might have missed the year before you could for for a couple bucks right. uh it was it was pretty it, it wasn't as as commercialized as it is now, so uh, lots of changes and lots of advances. And uh, obviously, after 2013, a lot of changes in security. Mm-hmm. So can no longer take anything you wanted to Hopkinton. I remember when we used to take chairs and mm. uh, you know everything you could carry to Hopkinton for a comfortable weight. And now, yeah, we're now we're limited in what we can take. So security's obviously changed, and uh, and and Boston does such an amazing job making sure that we're safe on on the course. Uh, and the runners are completely understand that. But so that's changed a little bit. But really, the experience of getting to Boston and feeling like this whole city is in on this race is unlike any other any other city. I've done the big marathons and I, I love them. I loved uh, New York City is a, also an amazing experience, but it's not you know it's not the same feel that everyone is there to support the marathon. I might used to go 
by another change for me personally is that when I first started running, I didn't know anybody else who ran Boston. I would go up by myself. Mm. Uh, the first year my husband went with me, but found it so hard to spectate that after that I told him, don't, you know, don't worry, I'll go up, I'll run the race. You don't have to come And It's actually harder to be a spectator, I think, than a runner. Mm-hmm. So I'd go by myself and, uh, and my parents would always say, gosh, you're going all by yourself. That's, you know, it's scary. You're going all by yourself to Boston to run this marathon. I said, I'm not going all by myself. I'm going with tens of thousands right. of my closest running friends and spectators that are so supportive. I really loved meeting people every year when I would go by myself. I would go to the start line at Hopkinton and I would just find a spot to sit down and ha- strike up a conversation with the people around me. And I met people who I still keep in touch with to this day. Uh, it was really, um, so for me personally, now now I have uh, my my running teammates, obviously Julie mm-hmm. and I. This is our fun weekend every year that we enjoy spending together. We have our Run Farther and Faster runners who come up with us, lots of friends up there. So I feel like I know more people now, uh, but it's still that same feeling of you can go up and strike up a conversation with anybody and you have a lot in common, whether it's a runner or a spectator who's come to watch there, watch somebody or just somebody who lives in Boston who obviously knows about the marathon. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, one of those things that I think we all kind of love about the running community is that, you know, and on, on race day, like, like you said, it's, it's 10,000, 5,000, 200, 20,000, whatever the number is, they're all, they're all your, your, your closest running friends and everybody's there to obviously run their race, but you know, help out a little bit, strike up a conversation whatever, you know, if, if there's something you need and something I can give you, like, it's, it's not even a question. It's like, here we go. Like, like, what can we do to, to get to the finish line together? It's great. It's it's really, you know, people sharing. I had this year I had somebody at the start line was getting ready to toss their tube of Vaseline and they said, you want some extra just, just to be safe, put on your feet. And I slathered some extra on my feet, had no blisters at the end, nice. thanks to that nice runner. But yes, it's it's such a great feeling of community and support. And we're in this together. And like you said, it's a race and we're racing, but Boston really is uh, you know, Boston strong together forward. It's all their taglines and their, you know, their sayings that we say, but they're really true. Yeah, certainly. So I, I can't, uh, you know, I, I don't want to just talk about Boston the entire time, but I, I can't not ask about this year, obviously in, in large part, probably because we're, we're, as we're recording, this is only about 10 days after, after the race. So hopefully you've at least warmed up and, and dried off since then. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, weather was was what it was this year. It was it was windy. It was rainy, as everybody who's at least listened to this as you know right now when the show's coming out can can probably remember because they probably watched it or, or ran it themselves. But uh, you know, it, it was it was a tough day, and 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 I think we've all had those cases, whether it's Boston, whether it's a local five k, whatever, where where we get to a race and the weather's not ideal. It's super cold it's windy and rainy it's it's stupid hot and humid which is you know my my life living in central florida where 10 months of the year it's it's warmer Mm -hmm. than ideal temperatures for for race day um did did you struggle with um i don't exactly how to say with with not letting the weather get to you especially sitting around in hopkinton waiting for the race to start um because it's something that is so far out of your control yet it's something that also is is no doubt going to impact your race How, how was your experience with the weather this year yeah, that that was obviously the big the big topic this year, and um, for me, weather is always a big factor. I uh, cannot stand running. I've always said my biggest nightmare would be waking up race morning and it being cold, windy, and wet. And we got that. <laughs> I mean, it was like here, let's take cold, windy, and wet and multiply it by hundred, and mm-hmm. and and it's that's what it's going to be. And and it looked about a week out. Uh, Julie and I actually found a an article that from a local meteorologist in Boston that said it looks like it's going to be cold, windy, and wet, 
And I sent it to her and I said, uh oh, I don't think I like to read this. But you mentioned this on your podcast, the, the takeaways from Boston. And one is that the weather is something we just can't control. Mm-hmm. And I could obsess about it. And trust me, I did. And, you know, check the weather multiple times a day. I was looking at every CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox affiliate in Boston and watching their their meteorologists, you know, online, their 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 forecasts, Mm -hmm. hoping that it would change. And I found myself wasting a lot of time and energy doing that. And like you've said, it's, it's something we can't control and it is what it is. So early on, I started planning and started taking control of what I could control, which was first of all, my, my attitude and my outlook wasn't going to be, oh my gosh, this is my worst nightmare ever. This is going to be horrible. It had to be, it is temporary. I've run in these conditions before. I have not raced in anything that terrible, but I have raced in similar and I had trained in in some similar conditions. So I said, I've done this before. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to dress appropriately and I'm just going to get it done because there's nothing. There's no other option. I used to joke that if I woke up and that was the weather on Boston, I would just go back to bed. But that's not (laughs) truth comes down to it. I am not just going back to sleep in Boston when I'm there to run the marathon. So it was a lot of preparation. I I scoured Amazon. I found uh, a motorcycle uh, rain suit, which said it was waterproof and windproof up to 80 miles per hour. So I thought that will probably do for us for sitting in Hopkinton. So I ordered that and sent the link to Julie and to our runners that were running Boston. Say, you know, maybe you want to buy this. Mm-hmm. $24.99 seems like a good investment, even though we're going to leave it in Hopkinton. And I made sure I had some good waterproof, windproof gloves, had lots of throwaway clothes to put on underneath. And just, I probably overkill, you know, brought lots of hand warmers. Uh, I even considered buying, I'd found this disposable uh, air activated blanket that you can buy for $50. And I thought maybe heat, a heat, you know, air activated heat a blanket. And I thought maybe I'll buy that and I'll just toss it in Hoppington. And I thought, I don't know, how much do I want to spend to, to waste, to, you know, to end up throwing it away before I start the race. So I, I did as much as I could to prepare, kept hoping that maybe the, the, the forecast would improve, but it was pretty clear once we were in Boston, it was a little bit of a uh, torment because uh, when I left DC, we're in the DC area. When I left DC on Saturday, it was beautiful. It was like 70 mm-hmm. degrees and sunny. It was before the front had come through. So it was actually, I didn't even bring my winter jacket to Boston because I was in denial. I thought it's so beautiful, 70 <laughs> degrees. My winter jacket's already away. It's not, I'm not going to need that in Boston. So I did not bring my winter jacket with me, but I brought everything else I possibly could. And just like you said, it's, it's out of your control. You just have to just deal with it and, you know, show up and, and, uh, you can commiserate with others, but it, it is, it was what it was. And, uh, I think you mentioned this, you know, when you talked about the takeaways from Boston, some people had PRs. Mm-hmm. So just because the weather looks like it's terrible, doesn't mean that it's, it's a bad thing. Look at the, you know, especially the women on the elite side who had a chance to place in this race or win this race because arguably because of the conditions. Mm-hmm. So even though the conditions were not great, doesn't mean the outcome had to be terrible. And it was just, it is what it is. Let's make the best of it and prepare and have good attitude and get out there and get it done. Yeah. That's, that's easier said than done, but it's ultimately what you need to, to do your best to try to do. So, um, how, how, how did you end up doing it in this year's race? 
I started out pretty strong. I started out thinking, wow, I'm, I'm going to be able to hold pace for my goal. My goal was my qualifying time was a 309. And I thought if I could land around a 310 to 315, I'll be happy. You know, if Boston, I already have that, that qualifying time will requalify me for next year. So I really didn't need to, to get another qualifying time. But I thought 310 to 315 will be good. And I started out on pace for that through about the half. And the, the torrential downpours and the cold were just I felt like beating me up and beating me up and beating me down. And uh, I think in the cold, our muscles work extra overtime to, to stay warm and our you know bodies working hard to keep our core warm. And by about halfway, I felt like I had run two marathons. Mm. So at that point, I started feeling like, even though I felt like I was working hard, my pace was starting to slow. And at that point, as we had you know some torrential downpours come through and some heavy winds that were just... It was just like, let's get through this. And I thought, all right, if I can hold training pace now, the training pace will be will be good. And and I managed to do that through about 24. And then 24 through 26 was really just get me to the finish. And I wanted to walk so badly. And there were lots of people around me walking. And I thought, I just, I can join them. I can just slow down and just, you know, have a conversation with them and join them. And then I thought, if I slow down too much, I'm going to freeze up. Right. And it may be hard to start again. And it will take me that much longer to get to the finish line and to get to my dry clothes. So I just kept moving, even though it was slowly. And I ended up finishing about uh, 15 minutes off my goal. I finished in 326. So, you know, decent, definitely decent showing. I was proud of the finish. Uh, would it have been different in ideal weather? Hopefully. But again, it is what it is. And I felt like the victory this year was pushing through all those mental challenges and 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 finishing and, and getting through what, like I said, was really before this, my nightmare scenario. Yeah. And if, and if nothing else, you know, now you've got a, a story to tell for, for you know, anytime that you know, this will be one of those 50 years. years at least. Yeah, 50 this, years. I say this story's got to last for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and this is going to be one of those, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to they're gonna be talking about, oh, uh, you know, the weather's bad today, but it's not as bad as it was in 20 or or, or it's worse today than it was in 2018. But, you know, anybody who was there and, and ran it this year knows, knows, like you said, knows what it's like. And, and hopefully now is a little bit less, um, worried about what happens if at, the, at another race it, it you know the conditions are the same been there done that maybe maybe don't like it but i know i can do it again if i need to exactly exactly so shifting off of of boston a little bit lisa um talking about multi-sports when when did you uh you know like you said you got into running and 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 you know now you kind of see yourself as a um a, an endurance machine uh when did you decide to to branch off beyond just you know, quote unquote, just running and, and dip your toes into, into the pool, onto the bike and, and doing some other competitions that involve more than just putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I think it was, um, probably about, uh, 10 years ago now, a little bit more, actually, I just thought, you know, running is great and I love running, but I wanted to mix it up a little bit and do some cross training and, Growing up, my father is a big cyclist. My, my parents don't run, so nobody knows where I got the running from or any genetic gift for running. But my dad is a big cyclist and an endurance cyclist. And I used to ride with him when I was younger. He'd take me on his group rides. And I thought, you know, let me break out that old bike. And I actually brought the bike that he had bought me when I was young out and and took it out and uh, eventually upgraded the bike. And I uh, just I decided I wanted to do my first triathlon back in it was 2006, I think I wanted to do my first triathlon. And just like when I uh, discovered I was pregnant with my daughter, actually, it was 2007. So I discovered I was pregnant with our third, uh, I had to scrap my triathlon plans for that year as well, in addition to Boston. So I put that off for a little while until after she was born. And then 
uh, did my first triathlon and really enjoyed just mixing it up and having uh, some different activities in, you know, wasn't just straight running. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am not a great swimmer. A lot of runners we, we know tend to not be great swimmers. I think we sink, our legs are heavy and we sink and I'm just not a great swimmer. So that's the hardest part for me, but the cycling I really enjoy and uh, found that I, I, I got pretty strong at the cycling. So duathlon became my, my sport. And that's what I ended up competing internationally with team USA was a uh, short course and long course duathlon. So run, bike, run. Mm. Uh, so take the swimming out and I I'm happy. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so it's been, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it's a lot, I, I think running is a lot easier. You just put on your shoes, you go out your door and you can run. Training for multi-sport requires you to go to a pool, get into a bathing suit, swim, shower, get dressed again. It's a little bit more involved. Riding a bike, you got to get your bike out on the roads and you know, there's always safety concerns out on the roads. Uh, it takes a little bit more time to train on the bike if you're going to go out for a you know long bike ride. If, like when I was training for Ironman, instead of doing a three hour long training run, which can be your longest run. It's a eight hour long cycling, mm -hmm. you know, cycle expedition. And that can take up a whole day. And that's, that's challenging when you're balancing work and family and other commitments. So it takes a lot more effort to do multi-sport and a little bit more time and preparation and equipment, but it's a great way. I found it was a great way to incorporate cross training. I ended up becoming a, a certified cycle instructor. So I now teach indoor cycle mm -hmm your cycle classes. And I find that that now is a really great cross training, uh, for me and, and my running, I can cut back on my mileage a little bit and, and do some more cycling and, and save some of that pounding. Have, have you found, and I'm going to assume you have that, 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 like you said, saving the pounding, especially as, as, uh, you know, you keep logging more miles and, and, you know, let's not fate, let's not beat around the bush. Getting we, older. We keep getting older. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, do, do you think that, 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 that cross training, you know, whether, whether you ever go to compete at a duathlon or a triathlon or not, but more and more cross training as we get older, um, is, is more and more important. I, I continue to preach it, but of course runners are runners and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I, I preach all the time, cross training, cross training, cross training. Yet, you know, if push comes to shove, I'd rather go run than, than jump on the bike or go swimming or do the strength training or whatever, even though I know it's important. D do you find that that's really helped you as, as you've logged miles and, and continue to get older and, and continue to run it at, at much faster than I can run. So at, at a pace that I'm envious of. Yeah, I, absolutely. I really feel like it's it's the key to to ever to, to longevity in running. And I'm like you, if I have a choice, it's so easy just to say, I just want to go out for a run. That's mm -hmm. my happy place. But getting on the bike and getting in that same, you can get that same aerobic development, that same, do same type of workouts on a bike. Same thing. Swimming is great for uh, recovery as well. So you can get great, uh, great benefits still from from those workouts without getting that you know the extra mileage and and really you got to be careful with with your mileage and how often you run and and definitely without a doubt as we get older and that's what we see with our runners at a, as as they get older as we get older i feel it personally i you need that day of of something other than running in between rest day uh, definitely need strength stretching is so important and again it's one of those things that we just it's not fun to do like, you know, sitting on the foam roller. It's boring. It's yeah. I'd rather be getting an extra couple miles of running, but I will cut a run short to get in some stretching, uh, to do a little bit of strength training, work strength training throughout the day. Because definitely as we get older, that recovery time is that's, what's key is we just find that as we're getting older and as the runners that we coach that are, that are a little bit older, uh, just need that more, more recovery time and cross training can be used for that. 
Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, I want to get into some more coaching talk with you, but but one other kind of question ish before we we dive into that. Um, you know, you climbed the ladder with uh, with the, the multi sport with the triathlon and, and completed an Ironman, which is a, a, a an accomplishment. I mean, just a, it's more than an accomplishment. I feel like it's it's you know, especially for somebody like you said, you don't feel like you're that strong in in, in the water. Um, and then you know, two two miles of swimming is is no joke. So to do an Ironman is is impressive. Um, Actually, I have two questions before we get to the coaching stuff. One, and I know this is a stupid question, but I ask it every time I talk to somebody who's done an Ironman. What is the difference between a marathon and a marathon after you've swam for a couple of miles and then ridden a bike for a hundred and whatever number that ends up being hundred? What is it? Hundred twelve, I think, is is if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, but whatever, you know, what, what is the difference between a marathon at the end of an Ironman and a marathon? Uh, you know, when it's just a marathon, other than the obvious of you're a little bit more tired uh, at, when, you, when you're at the end of an Ironman to do it. Yeah, you're a lot more tired. <laughs> it becomes uh, really for me, it became strategy too. Uh, I did Ironman Louisville, which uh, now is in October, but when I did it was in August. So if you can imagine Louisville, you live in Florida. If you imagine Louisville in August, it was the added challenge of doing a marathon at about noon mm-hmm. when, you know, after you've done 2.4 miles of, of, of swimming and you've done over 100 miles of, of cycling. So, uh, yes, definitely. Then it becomes strategy. And for me, it was, uh, you know, incorporating some run walk uh, into it. And and the key for me with the Ironman tra- training was really getting my cycling endurance up because if you can finish the bike and still have something in the tank, then you can run a decent marathon. Uh, so running a straight out marathon, you just have to really have that strong running endurance and have that base of running mileage and really be good at that and and pace yourself appropriately. But with the Ironman, if you don't have that strong cycling endurance, you will be exhausted. You're, you're spent mm-hmm. when you get off the bike and then you start the run and you really are starting behind the eight ball. You have no chance of, of having a strong run. So really building up that cycle base of endurance is, is real. Is I, what I think is key in, in triathlon and definitely in Ironman so that you can get off the bike and still have something left to give in the run. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, and then the other, the other kind of angle of this question. So, you know, like you said, climb the ladder, did, did the Ironman, which is, I mean, just, uh, wow. Like I, I can't, I can't even begin. Like I have, you know, as a kid, I kind of, you know, would watch the, the Iron Man Hawaii, uh, on TV and be like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then start to realize what is entailed. And I was like, nah, I'll stick to, I'll stick to running and maybe dabble in a duathlon at some point if I ever decide to go multi. But, um, uh, on the running side, ever thought of climbing the ladder and going to some of the ultra distance things or is, is 26.2 far enough for you? I knew that was coming. I knew that question was coming. <laughs> uh, I've done one, I did one 50 K trail race, uh, my husband convinced me to do that. And in the middle of it, I was cursing him for for, for having me do that because I, I decided I could do it with a really only, I think I did one uh, training run on a tra- on an actual trail. Mm. I said, well, I can still do it. I've got endurance from, you know, marathon training. And I had the endurance, but trail running is so different. Right. And, at the, you know, I think the second time I fell down going downhill, I was cursing him for why <laughs> did you get me into this? By the end, I was very happy and I really liked it. It's such a different, it's a different vibe. It's a different feeling. It's a different approach. Uh, it's really, I, I did like it. I, I always wish they had like a fifty k or and and comrades is probably the closest, but a fifty k or longer road race. I don't mm. trust myself on trails so much, so I think if there was you know I had the opportunity to do a little bit longer road race, I might I might consider it. I've always thought uh, the JFK fifty miler, or we've got a local uh, Stone Mill fifty miler here in our area that I've always kind of kept in the back of my head is as something I think I would like to do. So uh, yes, the answer is yes. I think at some point. 
yeah, once you've done a marathon, I feel like, you know, and, and especially with the longer distance races, having a little bit of a different approach with some walk mm-hmm. breaks, some, you know, the, the pace is a little bit easier. You're not really racing it for time, but more to finish. I think if I took that approach, then, then yes, it's definitely in the back of my mind. It just hasn't, hasn't made its way to the front yet, but it, <laughs> it's there. That's fair. That's fair. And, and, you know, there are, I, I don't know, names necessarily offhand but I, i've got a, a friend friend of the show friend of of myself outside of the show as well um nora bird who's who's done a lot of 50k and 50 mile road races so they're they're out there um you know i gotta find them i haven't also, looked yet so i wasn't was i wasn't tempted but yeah. yes I, yeah that i would consider so i think i'd be more comfortable on doing a, a road race than a trail race but but they both have their benefits too and like i said once i got into the trail race and kind of got into my groove i, I actually really enjoyed it yeah good good well it's Something that uh, I've, I've, well, I guess I can announce it now. I've, I've officially signed up for my second 50k trail race, so it's not till till January of of 2019. But uh, I'm I'm back into the back into the ultra waters, so it's. Uh, yeah, there you go. If you signed up for it, there you go. That's all. That's what you need. Yeah, exactly. It's official. So, um, like I said, shifting gears a bit, talking talking a bit about coaching. Um, when did you when did you kind of get the the itch to maybe uh you know not only be a runner yourself and, and enjoy running from the, the personal standpoint, but also get into helping other people not only find joy in the sport, but in, improve and grow and, and, and chase their, their goals in, uh, in running as well. Well, before I was a running coach, uh, I was an attorney and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went to law school. I practiced law. I actually then was a, did law firm recruiting and I stopped working when my twins were born to stay home with them. And then we had another one 19 months later and kind of found myself wondering what can I do that works? You know, I still wanted to do something and be productive and, uh, it's hard for me to sit still. So I thought, what can I do that works around their schedule? But, you know, gives me something to do that that engages me and that I'm interested in. And, uh, you know, I thought about coaching, coaching runners and our local uh, JCC, our Jewish Community Center had asked me if I'd be interested in doing, uh, you know, coaching a running program for them and and running something through their fitness center. And I said, well, I'm not certified as a running coach. And obviously I run. I, I know fundamentals of running, but I, uh, that, that motivated me to go get my coaching certification. And I did that. And shortly thereafter, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, I know this woman who's also local, you know, she reminds me a lot of you. She's got young kids and she's a great runner in the area. And she just got certified as a running coach too. You should, you should hook up with her. And she introduced us actually at a local race Mm -hmm. and that was Julie. And so we both had just been certified as running coaches and she was coaching through our local city government programs. She was going to do a program for them. And I did one for the JCC and they, we said, Hey, will you help me with mine? And I'll help you with yours. And we started there. And, uh, you know, over time we just then, uh, started to do our own programs and coach people individually. Uh, we coached locally and some people who lived outside of the area and just started small. And, uh, over the years that was in 2009. So nine years later, we've now built a business and, uh, we both, I think, feel like we wanted for me, running has been such a really transformative in my life. It's given me confidence. It's given me something that's mine that I feel like I can work towards its goals and accomplishments. And I, feel like everybody, regardless of their level of you know, their ability or their speed or their pace, 
uh, everybody can experience that from young kids to to adults to older adults to have that a, a, you know a progression uh, a goal following a plan accomplishing every day you get in a workout that's an accomplishment so having that constant you know just gradual progression and and then finishing a race again you know it, it doesn't matter if you win or if you you know if you're the last finisher to finish a goal that you set out for yourself it really uh, gives a lot of confidence, a, a sense of accomplishment. And that feeling we wanted others to have. We wanted to help others find that. So that was both of us shared that that outlook. And that's, I think, what spurred us to start this. It was really just a, a, a personal passion of ours. And uh, we turned it you know, into our business. Mm-hmm. But I think beca- because it's been a passion of ours and because that's what we really care about is, is helping other people and helping them find this sense of accomplishment and what we've found, both of us have found through running. That's why it's been successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, that passion, obviously it, it shines through in, in the conversation we're having now. And I'm sure it shines through when you're, especially being, you know, that, that you have a, a decent number of clients that are local that you can, you can interact with in person. Um, it, it's, it's easy to, to see that passion and, 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 you know, it, I'm sure it rubs off on, on them as well. Um, what, uh, well, <laughs> this is this is one of those kind of maybe somewhat selfish questions, but um, which which achievement do you value more at this point in your running career? Something that that you do when you set out a goal to crush it, or when there's when when there's a client that that you're able to help be successful? Because I I know that for me in the years that I've been coaching, like like I still have my goals, but like I care so much less about them and, and helping my clients be successful. And I'm just curious if, if, if that's similar to you or, or do you keep them in such separate kind of categories that like, yeah, you have your goals and you want to be successful there. And then you also have your, your professional and client goals and, and you want to help them be successful. I think at this point it's, it's our client goals. Mm-hmm. And, and I say client, but they've, they've become our friends. Right, right. So I feel like that to me, I I've had my achievements. I, I'm not going to say that I've, you know, peaked. It was, uh, Funny, Dina Castor was speaking at uh, the Boston Marathon at one of the Runners World pop up, uh, you know, sessions, and she said jokingly that she's told her husband that you know she's kind of past her peak and she's not going to be setting you know her PRs anymore. And her husband would say to that, "Well, not with that attitude, you wouldn't." <laughs> so I do feel like you know I've had I've I've accomplished a lot of what what I'd like to accomplish, and uh, I want to keep accomplishing goals, and I want to keep you know doing. Uh, enjoying this and staying healthy, but watching our runners, a lot of them who've just started and are, are, are progressing so quickly and, uh, watching them achieve their goals is by far to me, uh, you know, I get more nervous, I think for their, on their race days than, than they do. Julie and I sit and we, you know, track our runners when they're racing mm-hmm. and, uh, we're, you know, holding our breaths. I, I still remember recently we have a runner who, uh, for years he was a, a, a very, uh, accomplished and very experienced marathoner and but he had not been able to get under four hours that was his big goal and he came to us wanting to get under four hours and you know when somebody comes with a goal that that's that specific mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of pressure as a coach you really <laughs> want them to to achieve that and it was it was definitely an achievable goal for him if it wasn't we would have told him that at the outset but it was an achievable goal for him it was reasonable goal and uh i ran uh, the half mar- it was the rock and roll full marathon and i ran the half marathon so when i finished the half marathon i met up with his 
girlfriend and his daughter in the stands to watch him finish. And we sat there tracking him toward the finish. And I, I really felt like I was going to have a heart attack. It was, he, he, we actually were live tracking him through his garment. And I knew if he kept up his pace, he would finish under four hours. And I was like screaming at the, the phone, like, keep it up, keep it up. And he did, he finished under four hours. And that feeling to me was better than any feeling I'd had for any accomplishment of any recent goal that I could remember. So mm-hmm. to see somebody come to us, look to us for help, uh, and, and achieve their goals. We've had runners who've qualified for Boston recently, and, and they're going to go to Boston. They're going to be in Boston. Right. Some were there this year. Some will be there next year. And to know that that's what they wanted to accomplish, and, and they did that. And then all the way on the other end of the scale, the runners we have that have never exercised in their life, have never you know never thought of themselves as as athletes or as runners, and they start with one minute of running and two minutes of walking for 30 minutes, and that is like hard for them. That is mm-hmm. that is an accomplishment in and of itself to accomplish that. To see them then finish a 5K, that is it, it's really indescribable. So definitely now, by far, my accomplishments are great, and I'm proud of them. But I think I live vicariously through our runners and these goals that they're accomplishing that are the first time for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely the same way. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just so cool to, to see somebody, you know, somebody that, that you've, you've helped a little bit, but you know, they've, they've done the work they've, they've done the, they've done the things you've asked them to do and, uh, you know, get that, get that payoff on race day. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of, of, uh, tracking a little bit. I, I, my, my wife doesn't doesn't elbow me anymore when I'm looking at my phone at church because she knows that that just means that I have somebody that's racing today. Like I'm not scrolling Facebook, I'm not I'm not screwing around and not paying attention. But you know if it's I've got a runner who's I've got, running I've got and a runner, yeah, and coming like, in exactly. I I gotta you know, I'm tracking somebody. I gotta I gotta make sure you know, see how things are going. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, you, you mentioned you know kind of having some some clients or, 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 you know, at this point probably friends or, or soon to be friends, um, but but people that you work with that are still kind of new to the sport and, and the growth that they can see. And, and, you know, I, I can remember back to when I kind of first got into it and it's like, you know, even not knowing what I was doing, just there's so much growth potential because it's everything's so new and, and, and your body's adapting and responding and, and you're just able to, to, you know, see, see that progress so quickly. Um, I don't know if you guys have gotten this at all. This, this, I don't know if question is the right way of saying it, but I've had people that, that have said, Oh, you know, I, 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 kind of be interested in coaching, but you know, I'm still so, so new to the sport that I'm not probably ready to, to work with a coach. Um, if, if you have, what's your response to that? And if you haven't had that kind of objection, how would you, how would you respond to the runner who's maybe been running for a year, maybe less than a year and thinks that, 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 yeah, they have some goals, but they're just not ready. They're not quote unquote good enough of a runner yet, um, to, to think about having some type of of instruction, whether it's local, whether it's online, whatever the case might be, uh, how would you reply to that? Yeah, we get what we get a lot is people saying, I'm not good enough yet to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) to join you. I'm not fast enough yet to be coached or I'm not fast enough to join your groups. And I say, please come out and watch our groups because we have runners of all abilities and all speeds and all paces. And we coach them, you know, they're virtually coached or in our groups. Uh, I say, please come watch first or please understand that, you know, I think anybody can benefit. Most importantly, is somebody who needs, um, who wants the accountability and just some guidance. And actually, runners who are just starting need the most. Right. Uh, runners who've been running for 10, 15 years, they've, you know, they've read about, they, they know about different training principles. They know about nutrition. They know about stretching and strength. And they know that they need to get fit for shoes. And they know a lot of that stuff. People who are new and just starting actually I would argue need the most guidance from a coach and will benefit the most from a coach because there's so much, it's not just getting out there and running, you know, going out three days a week, 
following an app and there are certain apps that are great and have a you know right progression and and are the right approach but it's not just the running. It's the strength training. It's the stretching. It's the rest days. It's cross training. It's the nutrition. It's the shoes. It's the pacing. There's so much and they have a lot to learn. And I think I think those new runners benefit the most. And, and a lot for them, for a lot of newer runners, the motivation is difficult. They will start and, you know, be gung ho and all good. And then they get, you know, I don't know, a month, six weeks in and the newness of it's worn off. It's getting a little bit harder and they need that support and that motivation and that accountability. So uh, if, if we have a runner that says that we assure them that you, we can work with runners of all, of all ability, every runner can benefit, even somebody like myself who's been running for a long time and feel like kind of peaked out and, you know, really maximize my training. I feel like I could probably benefit from a coach, a new, a new set of eyes, Mm -hmm to look at your, at your training. Uh, and again, just a sounding board, somebody to, to talk to if, you know, Hey, I missed a whole week. I I slacked off this week or I was sick this week and I don't even know what to do now to help you get restarted. So those newer runners, I feel like actually get the biggest benefit out of just the, the extra information that they need to help their training be successful and the accountability. Yeah, certainly. I, I uh, would, would echo all of those those statements as well. And, and you know, if you can, the way I kind of look at it is, you know, a lot of us that have been running for years, like we've, we've learned some lessons probably the hard way. So you can, you know, if you're new and you don't know any, any different one way or the other, like you may learn those lessons the hard way as well. Or, you know, if you have a good mentor, a good coach, whatever the case might be, um, you know, you can maybe shorten that learning curve a little bit and avoid some of the, uh, the hard lessons uh, and hopefully just have a, a smoother transition to, or smoother progression. Uh, towards your goals. Yeah. And there's so much information out there too. It's a little overwhelming if you want to try to educate yourself on training principles and just, you know, a new runner, it's completely overwhelming and it's helpful to have somebody who can sit down and also talk to, I feel like we talk to our runners and find out what's, you know, who are you? What, what motivates you? What goes, what's going on in your life? What kind of schedule do you have? And different people are going to have different, uh, they respond differently to different approaches. So I think having that opportunity to get to know the runner, who, what, what does motivate you? What's going to keep you on track? And, uh, what, what rewards are you looking for? That is, uh, that's, that's, I think one of the benefits of having a coach too, that really understands our runners. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, so one one more uh, kind of coaching-ish question, and, and this is something that uh, I'm pretty sure I, I, I teed this up for Julie as well, and it's something that I, I pretty much ask everybody who's who uh, I have a chance to talk with that has some type of, of coaching background, and and, um, and that's just to, to if there's a, a tip, a, a, a training principle, uh, some type of, of coaching advice that, that you could share, um, because I think sometimes people get a little uh, sick of hearing my, my voice saying the same things over and over and over again. So whether it's something that I've said before that uh, maybe a new voice would help it to get through somebody's, somebody's brain a little bit and, and settle in, or maybe it's a, you know, all of every coach that I know has some different, different philosophies, different thoughts, different ways to do the same thing. So maybe it's something completely foreign to me that I can learn from as well. But uh, any uh, quick quick kind of obviously generic because we're talking to everybody here, but any uh, coaching tips or, or uh, little tricks or tactics that uh, you could share before we kind of start wrapping things up today? Yeah, I think the most important uh, thing that we stress to our runners and the one uh, aspect that is most challenging for a lot of our runners is keeping your easy runs easy. Mm. And most of your mileage, especially if you're training for something and anything really from a 5k to a, a marathon, but especially as you get into longer distance is keeping your, your training runs, there are no medals for training. That that would be, there are no medals for training. You can go out and you can crush a training run as fast as you possibly can. 
and maybe you'll have it on Strava or your Garmin, but it, it's not necessarily helping your your training for uh, for your ultimate goal. So we have a lot of runners who who do, and and that's understandable. They've got you know 45 minutes and in their day, and they're going to get out and they're going to run as hard as fast as they can, get as much into that time as they can. Uh, but that that never underestimate the importance of that easy distance pace and um, keeping your your training. Uh, staying disciplined with your runs, even though you might feel like it's a beautiful day and you feel really great and you want to run harder, but, uh, you want to hit your hard days hard. You want to be able to hit mm-hmm. those workouts on, you know, on, right on, on target and to do that. And especially as you build up your mileage, uh, you know, the too much, too fast, too soon can lead to injury. And, and that's the last thing you want. You want to get to the start line healthy and prepared. So that would probably are, uh, I would say the the most important principle for runners of any level or any, you know, just beginning uh, or or those are that are more advanced that are adding on the mileage is to to make sure to keep those easy runs easy. And on the mental aspect side too, uh, just challenging your challenging yourself to do something every day that that changes you and that challenges you. Do a little bit more each day than you think you can. So you wake up one morning and you think, oh, I, this is not the day I want to go out and run. I'm, I'm tired. It's early. You know what? Go out and do get in a couple miles. And if you're if it's not your day, turn around and come home. But challenge yourself to at least try that every day. Uh, step outside your comfort zone a little bit every day, and that's how that's how we progress, and that's how we get better is by challenging ourselves. No, no challenge, no change. So you know, little cliches and little sayings, but it really is true that if we don't step a little bit outside of our comfort zone, uh, we we don't have that opportunity to to change and to have have these accomplishments. I mean, Boston's a perfect example for me personally. That was way outside of my comfort right, zone right. and something I very easily, you know, like I said, I always told myself I would just go back to sleep, but didn't let myself do that. And coming home from Boston, I felt like I could do anything. Like if, if I could get through that, I could accomplish anything. So it, it's true on any scale, like take those little challenges, face them head on, get it done. You know, if it's not your day, then that's okay. At least you tried, but step outside your comfort zone. Hmm. Great, great tips. And, and, uh, as, as, uh, Everybody who listens knows I, I'm fully in agreement with with both of those. I've talked about both of those things yeah. several times, so uh, love those for sure. Uh, as as we're wrapping up today, Lisa, uh, you know I, I'm I'm not going to not ask the the philosophical question. It's it's uh, something that I've I've enjoyed kind of implementing into the show for the last. Gosh, I still feel like it hasn't been that long, but it's probably been 200 episodes since I started asking the philosophical question at the end. Um, which which as you know, because you've listened to the show a few times, it's it's open ended. You can take it a long answer route. You can take it real short if you want somewhere in the middle where whatever whatever kind of floats your boat and whatever whatever allows you to express kind of how you feel on on this last topic but i'd just be be curious um with with again kind of looking back to to where you are now in in the sport where you are now as as a coach and as a runner how has how has being a running coach helped you as a runner as well so how has lisa the coach and and the 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 things you've worked with the clients the, the interactions you've had with with the folks that, that you've worked with help to improve your, your running? Uh, if it, if it has, I'm going to assume it has, but if it has, how, how has that, that relationship benefited you on, on your running as well? It absolutely has. I feel like, uh, all the interactions that I have with our runners and that, that what we see are, are the accomplishments that our runners have, have achieved over the years is inspiring to me. And when I go out for my runs, I also think, you know, I think of that, that inspiration. I also think of the, you know, from, for many of our runners, 
for me, this has always been easy. This has been something I really enjoy. Like I said, you know, right off the bat, like it was something I knew I was good at and, and I, I really like it for me going out for a run is like my therapy. Um, so for me, it's, it's easy. I wouldn't say every run is easy. You know, runners ask us a lot of times, when does this get easier? And I say, well, it doesn't get easier. It's just becomes something you enjoy a little bit more. So it doesn't ever get easy, but it's something I really enjoy and something I want to do for a lot of our runners this is out, way outside their comfort zone and it's not something that's easy and it's something that they have to work very hard mentally and physically uh, to, to get through. And to see that uh, makes me, I feel like a better runner. It makes me uh, more motivated to get out and run. It makes me more um, grateful, a lot of gratitude for what I can do. And uh, I just am constantly inspired by our runners and how hard they work and how dedicated they are. And, uh, you know, a lot of runners, too, we, we see work through have a lot of other things going on in their lives, a lot of a lot of challenges, a lot of th- a lot of things going on that otherwise, you know, could very easily provide excuses for them to say, I'm done. Like, I don't have time to fit running into my life. This is too much for me. And they still get it done. They show up, they get it done. And that to me is extremely inspirational and extremely motivating to me and uh, makes me want to show up too and, and be a better runner and, and, and do the best I can and be grateful for being able to get out there every day. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. And it's a, a, like a, as, as per usual, a great place to, to kind of put a bow on things and wrap it up for today. So uh, once again, guys, uh, if you want to check out more about uh, about just about Lisa in general and also about Run run Farther and Faster, it's uh, the website is runfarthandfaster.com. Instagram, Facebook, same handle, at runfarthandfaster. And on the Twitter, save a couple characters, at runfarthandfast. Uh, and once again, disruns.com slash 572 is the link to the show notes for today's episode. We'll have all the contact information, links to the blog, links to the, to the website, and all that good stuff there, and, and some photos as well. If you want to check out uh, Lisa in action, she's got some, got some good photos that we're going to share. So, uh, Lisa, thank you uh, for taking the time today. Certainly, certainly appreciate it. Always uh, a pleasure to get to talk to different folks and, and hear different stories and things like that. And I'm glad that uh, that we were able to, to line up today and, and do this. So, uh, again, appreciate your time and, and certainly wish you nothing but the best, both on the, the coaching front and on the running front going forward. And, and hopefully we can uh, stay in touch along the way as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Lisa and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from this episode. What was something that we talked about today that uh, sticks out in your mind just a little bit? Uh, maybe maybe uh, touched a nerve a little bit. Maybe made you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, maybe made you maybe do a little lol, a little laugh out loud. Uh, but whatever it is, always love to hear from you. What, you, what stood out to you, what you enjoyed about the episode. Um, and uh, obviously, I'm going to tell you what stood out to me for today's episode um, be- before you have a chance to share it with me. And hopefully, you will share your takeaways with me because it is, it is a, a, a nice little uh, you know, thing to get the tweets or the, the emails or the, the alerts that there's a comment. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that in just a second. First and foremost, my takeaway from today's episode. Uh, when, when we were talking about kind of training and running, running easy once in a while, and Lisa made the comment that uh, you don't get medals for your training runs. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. I, and, and, you know, it's just one of those things where um, it just really, I think, is a great way to hammer home that, like, not every workout needs to be a, a personal best. Not not every workout you need to be running it like like it is the, the prize, all right? It's it's a step along the way. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, part of the journey. But you don't need to kill yourself in your workouts. You don't need to, to run those workouts like... Like, like they're the race, you know, the, the race is where you go hard. The race is where you push through the race is where it, it, again, assuming 
that we're talking about somebody who, you know, that you're competitive, that you're, you're working hard towards a time goal or something like that. The race day is where you lay it all out there and, and let it all hang out and see what happens in training. Back off a little bit, be smart, even on a speed day, even on a hard workout day, you know, finish with a little something left in the tank. You don't want it to completely deplete yourself in your training runs. Cause then it's just, it takes you longer to recover. You're, you're running more of a risk for an injury. There's no medals for your training. There's no medals for a workout. Yeah. You might get a badge on Strava or Garmin or some shit like that, but that's, that's, I don't think that that's what you're really working towards. I don't think that that Garmin badge or that Strava badge or that segment is, is the most important thing. And if if that is the most important thing in your running goals, then, then by all means knock yourself out. But if your goals are bigger than to be the, the, the fastest person to run two blocks in town on Strava, set, set your, you know, set, set your sights where your, where your goals actually are race day. That's where you go hard. That's where you kill it. That's where you leave it all out there. Um, not in your training. There's no metal. There's no metal at the end of a training run. Brilliant advice. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and something that, uh, I am certainly going to, uh, borrow slash steal and, uh, remind, remind some folks about that once in a while. You don't get a medal for a training run. Anyway, that was my takeaway. What about you? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet at Dizruns. Shoot me an email. Dizruns at gmail.com. And as always, you can head over to the show notes for this episode or any episode. Leave your thoughts, feedbacks, questions, comments, concerns, uh, takeaways in the show notes. And for today, again, for today's episode, Dizruns.com slash 572. So with that, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this thing up officially. Um, once again, anything that you want to do for supporting the show is always appreciated. Dizruns.com slash support is a, is a page that probably needs to be updated, but there's a whole host of options there. Uh, and again, Patreon is, is a great, it's, it really helps me out. You know, a, a few bucks a month, five bucks a month, whatever. Buy me a cup of coffee. It, it uh, certainly helps. And uh, all that money gets gets pretty much directly uh, reinvested into the show to keep the, keep the lights on, keep things working, keep things moving, and hopefully keep things improving. Uh, patreon.com slash disruns will take you right there super easy to sign up and uh, support the show if you're so inclined so with that thank you guys for listening again certainly appreciate it thanks for telling folks about the show sharing it with your friends that's a great way to support the show as well and it certainly is not uh something that i don't appreciate i I very much do the numbers continue to climb it's all because of y'all so thank you so much uh and until next time please be well take good care have a great run and uh we'll talk soon later guys (laughs) 